0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the MicroCast and MicroCosm Community Call. This call is recorded live on Friday, January 27th. Today's call is all about developing your mental performance toolset. We hope that by providing these techniques, you'll be able to build out your mental performance toolset so you can better deal with adversity in training and racing. For more on visualization, see the link to our blog post on visualization 101 in our call notes. Like anything, these techniques are best practiced over time. Think about implementing one new technique into preparation for a workout or long run and one new technique into the workout or long run itself at a time. Develop a sense for what you feel works well and what doesn't through practice and experimentation. The goal is to show up for your next race or big event with a few new tools that you know work well in practice. I hope you enjoy this episode. As usual, if you have any feedback, a question for a future call, or looking for support in your running journey, please visit us on the web at microcosm coaching.com or contact us at microcosmcoaching at gmail.com. Awesome. Yeah, today today's call, we are um we're doing a call on mental training tips. And um yeah, the purpose of this call is to one kind of highlights some scenarios in, in training and racing where using some uh, mental tools can help us overcome the, the challenges that we're dealing with, the adversity that we're dealing with. Um, I think we all know as athletes, like there are different, um, yeah, there are different like times in training and when we're racing where we need to use a lot of problem solving where things feel overwhelming where things feel challenging where we feel nervous um where all of these different feelings come up and um having some tools to work through that so we can kind of like I don't know find the light on the other side or rise up i like to use those moments with my athletes i call them rise up moments where like we feel that that challenging moment and that challenging moment is kind of like what we're here for so that way we can use that as an opportunity for growth and to see you know who we are on the other side of that um and working through that kind of stuff uh it it, it involves having a tool set um and so yeah just kind of continuing in in a similar trend from the last few calls that we've done talking more about like the mental side of training um yeah, this call is kind of going to be about that. And hopefully you guys can ha- take some tools with you and, and use them, use our examples and these tools to help inform your training and your approach to those challenging moments um, in the future. Yeah, um, this question or this topic was kind of prompted by uh, a question that we actually got um, at the end of last year And we just hadn't had um, the time to to dig into it. But the question is like uh, was in response to uh, the blog post on visualization that we wrote last fall. And um, the question was really like, how do you best incorporate visualization into your uh, pre-race routine? And I think there can be a number of reasons why we might want to use visualization before race. some things that kind of come to mind, one, uh, dealing with pre-race nerves. Uh, I think at least for me, whether or not like it's, I've my 10th time running a 50 K or my first time running a hundred K or what, like, whatever it is, I still get nervous before races. So like having, um, a tool set to deal with those nerves. Um, and I think some of that for me comes from the uncertainty of the vent. Like no matter what kind of training I've put in, and this is something that we always try to reiterate, is that no matter what kind of training we've done, there's always uncertainty in whether or not we're going to get to the finish line. And that's because like all of these events are really hard. Whether it's like a 5K or a multiple hundred mile long ultra endurance event, there's always uncertainty there. We never... Can truly say for sure we're gonna finish, right? Because there's so many variables that are inherent in the process. And so for me, I get nervous um before races thinking about that. And or I get nervous uh before races thinking about like how will my performance be? How will I um how will I feel out there today? Will I be able to run uh to the best of my ability? And so, like those, those pre-race nerves um are often a great thing for me because it it allows me to prompt the process of visualization and so visualization is probably one of the most effective tools that you can use as um as an athlete in working through possible scenarios that may arise during your race Um, it's also a great way uh, to work through pre-race nerves. And there's, I think, a couple of different ways that we can do this. Um, I think maybe, Sarah, you can talk about the pre-race visualization rehearsal. Um, but before we like get – because you have a great note there on that. But before we get into that, uh, just for dealing with the nerves, I think there's a couple um, – interesting like techniques that you can use that involve like visual imagery um this first one uh I really like it it's called um the gratitude flow visualization and this is something that like I like to use when I feel nervous or when I feel down or off um and essentially um when you guys can like read up a little bit more about using, using visualization techniques through our blog posts, but essentially you want to just close your eyes and take a few deep breaths to kind of ground yourself. Um, and that's really key, right? Like we want to try to be relaxed. So if you're dealing with some nerves, it can be really hard to ground. So those deep breaths like yoga, like breathing In through the nose, out through the mouth are really, really, really effective for just kind of like relaxing your nervous system, kind of like bringing that energy level down for a second. And then when you have your eyes closed, you think about um, a cloud sitting above your head. And then beyond the cloud is the sunshine. Um, And so try to hold that image in your mind. You have the cloud and the sun. And think about something you're grateful for. Um, I don't know. For example, it could be family. Like you're really grateful for your family being there to support you on race day. And so you, you think about that as you're breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. And you kind of visualize that like family, that word like above your head there floating up towards the cloud. And you see it like hit the cloud. Maybe it makes a little dent in the cloud. And then you breathe in and you breathe out and you think about something else that you're grateful for Um, and try to really hold like the feelings that, that like that thing that you're thinking about, really try to hold it, hold those feelings, um, the things that like that elicits the sensations. Um, Another thing that you could be grateful for, you know, going into your race. Oh, like feeling physically healthy. I feel health. I feel grateful for my health. And you see that word kind of like, float up above your head and make an indentation in the cloud. And like, you can kind of see, like, we're starting to break through that cloud. We're getting towards the sunshine that exists above the cloud. Um, And then get that third word. Um, I'm grateful for my legs. Like I feel strong, like, okay. we're feeling those sensations and we're getting towards that sunlight. And with that fourth one, break through the cloud and then try to really visualize that sunshine kind of hitting your, your head, your body and like hold the sensations of gratitude and um, really try to feel and just in, like cover yourself, your body with those feelings of gratitude. Um, that's really key. And then think about that fifth thing. We've got the sun shining down now. We're visualizing this in our minds. Think about that fifth thing. But before you name it, just hold the sensations and really try to cover yourself with those sensations of gratitude. So we're not focusing, we're focusing on three or four sensations, like three or four things we're grateful for. We're using those things to break through the cloud, the visualization of the cloud that's above us. That cloud can symbolize like the nerves that might prevent you from racing to the best of your ability or to having fun out there or to just feeling like you're in the present moment. And when we break through that cloud to get to the sunshine, that's kind of like the, the inner peace that exists beyond that. Um, this I love using this visualization uh, before races or when just in general, like if I feel a little down. Um, but particularly, I think it's important for races because I personally feel sometimes a little disconnected from myself like cuz those nerves can feel very overwhelming. Um and I know that I'm not alone in that. I know that many athletes deal with pre-race nerves. Um so that, that uh visualization is called the gratitude flow visualization. Um it's a it's a favorite of mine and hopefully could become a favorite of you of yours too. Um Sarah, would you, would you be willing to talk a little bit about, uh, the pre-race dress rehearsal visualization?
1: Yeah. So, um, so whereas like what TJ is talking about, which, you know, we really encourage you to practice all throughout, uh, training and not just using that, um, like the day before race or something like that, because the more often we use it, the more our body is going to be able to actually relax when we use that. Um, So that's really great for relaxation. And then imagery um, and mental rehearsal is a way to sort of address very specific fears that you have around the uh, race. So um, this is also a good idea to practice well in advance of the race. Um, And it starts with identifying like actually what you are worried about because we all have different things that are making us nervous for the race. So thinking about like what challenges you are anticipating, um, even maybe some challenges that you're not really anticipating but could could happen, and then really um, visualizing start to finish you out on that course, each aid station. Um, you know if you know there are some big climbs visualizing yourself out on that climb. And when you are doing this, you want to not imagine everything going totally perfectly. Like I just feel great. And I'm floating up the hill and I, just, you know, let me pause. That actually can be very helpful type of visualization practice, but that's different than a mental rehearsal. So it is very helpful to practice things going well for the relaxation piece, but for the mental rehearsal piece, you really want to practice facing obstacles And then problem solving in the moment. So you want to imagine that like, maybe you get a wave of nausea at a certain point in the race where you typically don't feel well. And then you want to visualize yourself problem solving around that. Okay, so the nausea comes What do I do? Um, And so this is helping in a number of ways. One, it's making those things that felt really scary suddenly feel really manageable. And two, it's very practical because you're identifying strategies that you're going to take into the race. So those things actually don't end up necessarily still being fears on race day. Um, But if they are there, you're totally ready to do them, to face them.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's so important. I remember in past calls, I've talked a lot about how when I race, there's sometimes a moment during my races, where I get like, really, really tired. And all I want to do is like, just stop and like fall asleep on the side of the trail. And one way that I worked through that is using that, that rehearsal visualization. Um, And I always make sure to focus on the sensations that I get in those moments. Like I feel very tired. My head starts to sag. My body language changes. Like I start to feel more tense, like rather than to feel relaxed and flowy. Like I really try to in, in, in those moments that I'm visualizing that I really try to get into those sensations because that's really key because a lot of this is about the neural pathways that we're creating in our brains when we go through the process of visualization. So the same thing exists when we are working on a new skill. For example, we're trying to develop our cadence and we're using visualization to do that. We're actually, during the process of mental imagery, what's going on in our minds when we close our eyes and try to imagine in pictures what's happening, we're actually accessing those same neural pathways that we will then be using when we're actually out performing the task. So the same thing is working for us when we're visualizing something like I'm feeling tired during my race. If you visualize your response to that tiredness, say it's taking a caffeinated gel or lifting your head up or putting a smile on your face, we're accessing those neural pathways that we're creating the muscle memory that's going to allow those things to be second nature second nature responses on race day and that's really or during a workout wherever these things might come up when we create those neural pathways we end up in those neural pathways when we're actually out there doing the thing and those responses become more automated which is really important like we want to be aware that we're responding in certain ways but like the the things that we get to respond, like how we get to respond are the selection we make becomes much more narrow. Like we know what we need to do. um, And it's because we've practiced these things in our minds beforehand. And so this technique is like, honestly, it's probably for race day performance, one of the the most important techniques you can use. And this is something that I consistently prompt my athletes and focusing on during the week before the race. So, like, we're tapering. We've done our slight taper the week before. Now we're into race week, and we're really starting to like, we're not running a lot. So, we have a little more energy. Ideally, like, we're starting to feel a little bit better. We're getting stoked for race day to come up. Now, we're going to spend a little time, five, 10 minutes each night or after a run, just to visualize these things. And we're really focusing on what are those possible challenges that might come up. Um, and how are we going to work through them? We want that problem solving to happen in the visualization process so it doesn't feel so new and overwhelming when it's actually happening during the race. Really, really key. Um, Drew, can you chime in a little bit before we we go on to some other examples about how you might use visualization with your speed workouts?
2: Yeah, and and really like the way Sarah put uh, the imagery component of this. Um, so, so important. Um, uh, the whole visualization, uh, visualization deal is, is key and something like TJ was saying, it needs to be practiced and rehearsed often, um, and starting early in the process. Um, when you sit down and you, uh, go through, uh, like you're, you're meditating or you're, uh, thinking about the race or, or kind of the, the conflicts that may arise, um, as Sarah said, don't do that the day before, right? It starts early in the process and you may not be great at it the first, you know, a few times you do it, but sticking to it and then practicing almost like it's a skill to be uh, rehearsed and grown over time is super important. Um, me, myself, I have terrible anxiety about racing where I can't even watch a race on television and not feel like I'm going to pee my pants, like, and, and not trying to be funny. Like I just, it's terrible for me. Um, something that's helped me is, is like TJ said, the whole speed workout vibe to me feels more like a race than just like an easy workout. Right. And so, uh, before I do speed workouts, I like to visualize that I am, I am preparing my body for a race. So it's, it's getting dressed and what I eat and, and just getting out to the location where I'm going to be doing my workout. Like every little part of it is like, I'm almost pretending that it's like a race, right? So that come race day, it's like, I've done this dozens of times. Like I am, I'm very prepared for this. It just kind of like eases that anxiety over time. Uh, the idea is that generally you have a better sense of preparedness when it comes to, um, the, the task at hand.
0: Awesome. Thank you. I think that, that it's just so helpful to remember that the workouts we do often elicit some of the same feelings that we end up getting on race day right because they're really hard um and they they ask a lot of us um and so we can pull the same things from those kind of like micro examples we can pull them into bigger scenarios like the race day and then we can you know use them retroactively too where it's like i i'd like to when an athlete has like a big workout and they really had to like mentally Work through it. I like to tell them to like save that in their self belief library so they can pull from that on race day when something is not feeling like it's going as well as it could be. They can look back and remember, hey, remember that hard thing that I did? Yes, I can do this today. Like, look at this example of me doing that in the past.
1: I just want to go ahead, Sarah. Say, like, some of the stuff kind of might sound like a little heady and when we like try to talk like TJ was explaining very well the process of visualization but when we're like listening to it intellectually it can be kind of challenging to like really get it so if this is a new thing for you like TJ said your own research is great and guided visualizations are like a really fantastic place to start just learning how to connect to your breath and get that imagery um so I just know like it can kind of sound abstract and so I listening to somebody else lead you through it so you're not teaching yourself along the way it could be easier.
0: Yeah, it does really help to work with um somebody who yeah, is is great at like coaching up this stuff. There's also I would say like a wealth of resources, visualization resources on YouTube. You can essentially type in whatever you're working on and put visualization after it, and you're going to get something that will help you begin that journey. We also have some like really great, like step-by-step, like here's how to practice visual imagery. Here's how to like use the, use this process in, in like training or, you know, X scenario, we have, um, some really great steps on our blog, uh, microcosm-coaching.com, uh, check that out. Like that will, I think also help to, yeah, kind of provide some more background um, around this particular tool, which is like something that we can really use, um, in a lot of different scenarios as you'll hear throughout this call. Um, yeah, let's, uh, Let's move, like, we're talking a lot about, so let's stay in the same vein here. We've been talking a lot about, like, mental preparation leading up to a race. Um, Kristen, your example talks a lot about, like, how to, how, dealing with things during race week. Um, Can you fill us in a little bit on that?
3: Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think, too, like, To Sarah's point, like I don't always subscribe to the fact that like visualization has to be this like woo woo candles and, you know, Zen room thing. You can do it anytime. Um, For me, visualization is most helpful and productive when I'm actively moving my body. Um, So to Drew's point, you know, hard workouts and long runs, doing it then helps me understand and kind of work through knowing what the tough sections of a race will actually feel like. And then problem solving and trying to figure out what I will do in the moment if and when, not if, but when things go wrong. (laughs) Um, Because I know physically, like if I'm tired, as long as it's not an injury, I can typically push through, but it's really hard to replicate the mental fatigue that settles in during the last few miles of a fast 50K or when you're at the last aid station of a 50 miler and someone pulls out a lawn chair and hands you a jar of pickles, like really easy to want to give up in that moment. Um, So it's really important for me to practice my mental game ahead of time so I can navigate those voices when they show up. So in the weeks leading up to a big race, um, for me, the key is to strike a balance between the excitement I have about the race and readiness, but not so much that I'm like having pent up energy to the point that I feel anxious um so I try to focus on each workout and each training run and each rest day as a singular unit leading up to the race and that um doing those things to the best of my ability. So sometimes that means I don't look at my watch during a speed run or a speed workout and I just instead try to focus on effort and feel. Um I don't doom scroll Strava after I post my my speed workout and compare myself to other runners. That's also really easy to do. Don't let yourself do that. Um, So I think just controlling what you can control, like dialing in nutrition, getting enough protein and carbs within 30 or so minutes of finishing your speed workout or a long run is a way to keep my nerves at bay. Um, Just knowing that I'm taking care of myself and doing the best that I can in the moment is really helpful. So I'll ask myself questions like, is this the best that I can do? And then having to be totally honest with myself about the answers um and if 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 it's the answer that I don't want then I need to make adjustments if needed um but it's also helpful for me to reflect back on all of the work that I've done to get to the point in the race because one it builds confidence but also if you're looking at a training block from a you know 3,000 foot view for 30,000 foot view all of the training, all of the time and energy and effort you put in prior to the moment that you're in is going to be harder than just finishing the dang thing. So, um that helps for me. I think a lot of the things that I like to do as well um have been touched on by the coaches, but I like to tell myself a lot that like look up, take in the, like the environment around you. A lot of times races are in really beautiful areas, so I like to tell myself that the key to being in the right place at the right time is to believe you're already there. Um, Forcing myself to smile on uphills. (laughs) Um, Nobody makes us do this. Nobody's, you know, forcing us to do anything. So I think just reminding yourself that, like, you genuinely love how it feels to run and move your bodies. Um, And then practicing gratitude. One thing that I really like to do during long runs, I notice I do this more often, um, is if I have, you know, five tough miles in the middle of a long run, like the first mile of said, like tough mile section, I will focus on someone I know and love very much. So like a nephew, a niece, my husband, a friend, and just really like It's like running meditation, you know, like similar to walking meditation, but I like to like focus on one thing at a time. And sometimes it's the race. Sometimes it's a person. Um, And then when the mile or the rep switches, you go to a different person. It's kind of like practicing loving kindness, but it it helps me in those moments. Um, And then when in doubt, and this is something that I fall back on often is the, the mantra be here now works so well for me because I can technically be here now at mile four or mile 14 and I can be here now at mile 44 so it doesn't really matter where you're at in the race you can always like refocus and recenter yourself and be present um so I think for me it's about staying staying focused on what you're doing asking yourself if it's the you're doing the best that you can um and just being honest Sorry, that, was, that was a bit of a ramble.
0: <laughs> no, I think that was awesome. Some really, really good tools in there. One for um, dealing with some nerves during race week. Um, I really like how you noted that visualization process, going back to that visualization piece was sometimes best done for you when moving. And I think that really reminded me in my own training that Often when I'm out on a run or like when I'm doing um, long hills on the treadmill, like I've been doing a lot this winter, I will in those moments be visualizing like my race and my race performance um, and trying to connect what I'm doing now to to what I hope I'll be doing later. Um, and movement really does provoke a lot of that visualization and that imagery process for a lot of athletes. I'd actually be really surprised if there was an athlete on our team who doesn't, doesn't already actually practice visualization, but they just didn't have the language to, to say it was a mental tool. Um, it is really something that I think athletes really understand, um well and then when given the language to describe it start to be able to understand and utilize it even more um but going back to like these things that we can like controlling the controllables seems like a simple tool we talk about it a lot but it actually if we're not aware and we don't practice that in training it's going to be hard to practice that on race day right so like back to what Sarah was saying we really need to practice these things throughout the process that way they feel like second nature when you know the heat is on and it's race day and we're like actually trying to finish the thing um just love that and the idea of presence um i think it's really important like the the principle that you can kind of like renew and start yourself again in each moment is really true and like that's such an important tool for athletes to use and think about during a race like be here now it's mile 44 the pickles are out. I want to sit down, but I still have six more miles, you know, be here now, you know, like you can do this, lean into those sensations. Okay. To lean into that self-doubt. And then what you noted there, Kristen, was that zooming out in those moments and remembering like all the work that you have done. And that journey, that journey is often a lot harder than the race, but the race is like, it's very acute. We have all that stress in one moment, but we ha- actually have accumulated a ton of stress and experiences in the journey leading up, and that's the preparation process. And when we zoom out, um, we're able to better understand that, contextualize things, and then we can zoom back in, get to the here and now, and start to put one foot in front of the other and finish that last six miles. Um, I just think that was was so awesome. Um, All right. Yeah, let's keep moving through here. Uh, Drew, let's talk about the concept of uh, recovery versus preparation, because I think this is a huge, this is something that we've come back to a number of times on different calls, because I think it's like one of the most important um, mental tools that we have, like being able to differentiate between recovery and preparation and start to think about like our preparedness states.
2: Yeah. So I guess, uh, like thinking about the question on like training or racing and mental performance tips, um, talking about visualization and all that's awesome and everything, but I kind of interpreted it a little bit different. And I know, like TJ said, we have discussed the concept of Recovery versus preparation a number of times, but to me, it's something that I think that everyone might benefit from, like hearing often. Um, I have to remind myself often. I remind a lot of my athletes of it um, often, and the idea is that you're you're shifting, like making a mental shift away from, I guess, the word recovery. Uh, like after a hard workout or hard race or whatever, um, towards the the concept of you're preparing yourself for the next run. Um, I, I know that that's uh, to some people like a little bit of a semantics deal because you might end up doing the exact same thing part of the time., uh, but to me, what I found is that if you are if you are recovering, like you're you're thinking about what you've done in the past and you're taking steps toward uh, towards recovery, right from that. Um, deal. I I know that it's helpful for me and a lot of others where uh, we talk about in calls, where as soon as you're done with a, a run, you process, you put it in your log and then you forget about it. And so part of like spending a day or two or whatever it is after a hard, you know, whatever, when you're, when you're recovering, you're just, you're thinking about what you've done and not necessarily thinking about what's to come. And so when you start thinking about, well, I'm done with that workout. I logged it and now it's time for me to prepare my body, to prepare my mind, um, for what's to come. Uh, it just, it, in my experience, it helps you be a little bit more mentally and turns out to be physically prepared for the next run. Whenever that is, um, that, uh, that again, doing the same thing, like, you know, you're going to eat the same meal, regardless of what you call it, you know, you're going to sit in your like, I sit in my Norma tech, even if they don't work. I love my Norma tech. Um, I like you're drinking a ton of water. You're doing the same stuff. Uh, but, but you're, you're looking forward, looking to the future. Um, and, and it just makes in my experience a, a big deal, a, a really big deal. When it comes to that next run, you're not, you don't get to the day of your run and feel like, man, like this snuck up on me. Right. Nothing sneaks up on you. You're, you're always preparing yourself for what's to come. And um, turns out that that mental shift makes a big, you know, physiological, physical difference for the next one.
0: I, I have to agree with that. I think that that, that slight reframing actually makes a huge difference. Um, again, like, are we looking back at what we just did or are we looking forward? And when we look forward, we shift, everything shifts mentally, like to a, let's get prepared for this next piece of training that we have coming up. Or if it's in a race context, like what can I do? What am I doing now? That's going to allow me to be running really well in five miles from now. Um, and when we're looking forward a little bit, that's also a process of zooming out, which I think can be really, really important. I know that, um, this felt to me like a, um, like an epiphany thing when you mentioned it, like a couple like a couple years ago, drew like how you look at like recovery after a big run, you said, no, it's, it's preparation. Um, I was, I used that technique a lot when I was training for CCC doing like a seven or eight hour run on a Saturday and then having to do a three to four to five hour run on Sunday, um, well, I use this in very, I wasn't always successful, but I, I tried to use that concept to, um, yeah, to help me figure out how, what were the steps I needed to take so I could complete that next big long run, um, feeling good. Like, how could I even like get to that trailhead feeling good after such a big effort? And when we're thinking about preparation, it actually does change slightly the things that we'll do. I think when we think about recovery, At least for me, I'm a little looser about what that is. Like, oh, recovery, you know, it kind of just happens in the spaces, and I'll have my protein and I'll kick my feet up. And like, yeah, cool. But like, when we're actually talking about preparation, like, we're probably going to be more protective of our time and our energy. We're probably going to make sure we're like rehydrating with electrolytes instead of just water. We're probably going to really make sure we get enough protein. Like, cause when we're thinking about preparation, we're thinking about what's coming up next and how we can set ourselves up for success in those things. Um, so I, this is something that I really want my athletes to practice and um, yeah, thank you for bringing that concept to the team, Drew. I think this is like just one of the most important things. You're muted.
2: Sorry. Uh, when you're, when you're, (laughs) I guess, uh, recovering, it gives the illusion that you've got a little bit more time. Whereas when you switch that to prepare you, you are, you, everything's more segmented. Like you've got a a purpose and a plan moving forward instead of just kind of loose, whatever. Um, that makes a ton of sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So cool. Um, okay. Kylie, you had some notes on my interpretation of this was like n- nutrition as process-oriented thinking. Um, I'd love to like hear an example and like kind of like what your your thoughts were around how we can like focus on this from a nutritional standpoint.
4: Um, well, I was kind of thinking in general, just like trying to think, and we've already touched on the, some of these things already, but thinking about like, focusing on the process oriented goals rather than ruminating maybe a lot on, um, the competition or like how fast you're going or those sorts of metrics, um, I think can be helpful to just kind of be present in the moment. And like, we've talked about on other calls too, like checking those boxes throughout your, um maybe training session or race and then that also helps you prepare. So in regards to nutrition, like I'll ask my athletes a lot like, what is your nutrition plan going to be for the upcoming race? Like, are we practicing that in your training runs? And then like for example, every 15 minutes are you taking in fluids and then you're focusing on that and that is allowing for you to maybe not um Overly stress about other things that might be upcoming for your race, and you feel more, then that allows for you to feel more prepared too for when you get to race day. So every 15 minutes taking in my fluids, am I taking my gel at 30 minutes and 60 minutes? And it was really, I just will never forget Zoe at that hundred miler <laughs> um doing her like, oh, I gotta take my gel. Oh, like, where's my gel? And she was like really on that train but at the same time I feel like it was really effective because it like got her to the next point like she was like okay like this is just part of the process I'm having my gels I'm drinking my fluids um and so I think sometimes that can actually help take away the like a little bit of the pressures that we're putting on ourselves um so I don't know if that helps add but and we have talked about it before but I just thought that I would mention that because I I think focusing on that sort of thing can be helpful too versus like over analyzing and maybe overly like feeling like you need to visualize or prepare.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I love that you brought up process-oriented thinking because I think it's in actually, you know, you're the, you're literally one of the best sports dietitians in the entire country. And like nutrition is like the first thing I tell athletes to think about when deciding what a process oriented goal is, because a lot of people forget, um, like they don't understand what process oriented goals are. Right. So I'll like refer them to a call that we've done to talk about it, but they, they, they feel like it's an abstract concept. And I'm like, it's not like, okay, here's something that's not abstract. You fuel these races and like, let's remember, like, we'll all remember Zoe at Rio del Lago taking a gel every 15 minutes for hundred miles and never eating anything else, like only gels. Um, but that was like, she was process oriented. Her thinking was so process oriented. She wasn't thinking about how many miles, how much, like she was literally like in 15 minute, minute increments, gel, gel, gel. And it's the, Process-oriented goals are the small things you get to focus on during races or training sessions that act as the glue that keep everything together. It's the thing that keeps you in the present moment while you're doing something that's much bigger than, than yourself or that feels really large and overwhelming. Process-oriented thinking is like, how what should I eat and when? How often? And like just really thinking about executing that thing rather than executing a hundred miles, you know, for a lot of athletes, process oriented thinking looks like, um, I'm going to run to that tree and see how I feel when I get there. And if I feel good, I'll run to the next tree. And it's just breaking something that's bigger down into smaller, more controllable pieces. Um, and nutrition is like one of the best examples of that because if we want to be successful in endurance sports we have to fuel. Um and so that's that thing that we have the clock on us all the time, you know, every 15, every 20 minutes, every 30 minutes for a lot of athletes. Um so I just really really appreciate um yeah, thinking about process oriented goals through that lens um and and your perspective on that Kylie that was that's freaking awesome. Um All right, how about um Sarah, you have a great example here of some strategies to deal with, like uh, mid-race, you're three miles into a race, or you're 15 miles in, um, you've got a great example of some strategies to use there when you're feeling tired um, and everything hurts.
1: Yeah, so if you're like, right, you're coming up to an aid station, but it's not the finish line, but you could quit and you are having those voices in your head telling you that you can quit, and also your body really hurts, it's not a great idea to be in our bodies. So normally I would say like focus on your breath or turn to the sensations, of your body, but if you're the sensations in your body are yelling at you to quit, I don't want you thinking about your body and those thoughts that you're having, you know, when you have those self doubt thoughts like you're really in your head, so we want to be out of our head and we know when we're in our head and we're racing that our that brain is like very much functioning from an emotional place. It's not accessing um, your prefrontal cortex very well. And so we know we don't wanna to listen to those thoughts because they're not helpful. Um, and so the best thing or a thing to do is to get out of our head, out of our body and into our environment. So sort of like TJ was just saying, running from tree to tree could be an example of noticing your environment, doing a grounding technique um we've talked before about a five four, three, two one technique um, where so sometimes people do sense sensory based, like five things you see, four things you smell. Um, but that can really be in your body. And since we're trying to avoid that, maybe thinking about colors, five green things you see, three red things you see, you know, looking around and just seeing what you observe. Um, and then if you are in a place where you maybe do need to think a little bit more clearly, but you can't because you're, Running, um, doing something like counting backwards by threes or doing um, one of those things where you try to remember a bunch of things in order like apples, apples, bananas, apples, bananas, carrots. You do something like that. And that is totally taking you out of your like you're in your head now, but it's controlled thought. And it's thought that has nothing to do with the stories that you're telling yourself. And then that helps engage the prefrontal cortex a little bit. So if you do have to make a decision where you need to be thinking, you're able to do that a little bit easier. Um yeah. Oh, changing one thing. So Zoe taught me that. Um, and it's just like if you're just in a bad headspace, just change one thing. So sometimes I will untie my shoe just to tie my shoe or add music, or eat, or take a drink of water, or do anything to just sort of get my brain to think about something different than that. Um, And then these things you want to practice, like, so I just gave you a whole bunch of different options, and the idea is to practice all of them throughout training, and then find two or three that feel um, especially effective for you, and then use those. So, uh, you don't want to have to decide what to use when you're in the middle of the race. You want to have like one or two techniques. That's just like second nature that you've really dialed. And then do you want me yeah. to, to
0: Yeah. Well, let's just t- take a second to to break that down a little bit. I think one, again, we're mentioning that it's so important to practice these, these tools and techniques during training. And there are for most athletes, two really great days of the week to practice these things. One is our workout day and the other is our, our long run day because those are the most acutely stressful in our training week. So those tend to elicit the most nerves, uh, the mo- like the feelings of uncertainty. And then because they are, you know, the purpose behind those is to provoke some fatigue so we can elicit some adaptation. Um, Those are going to be in the moment some of the most difficult to deal with. And so these are that's our opportunity to put some of these tools into into practice. And like sometimes for me, even like uh, a big hill workout leading up to a race, I'll be doing whatever, uh, six by three minute hills or like a, a hill ladder, eight, six, four, like some long thing. And I'll be climbing. And I think, okay, what is, this hurts. What's something I can change? And so like, I will start to like, think about like, what's my breathing? You know, oh, I can change my breath rate. Like, I'm just not relaxed. Like I could relax into this more. And so then like, even though it feels crappy and I'm working hard, I'll try to drop my shoulders. Like body language is something that I can change. Or I'll try to put a smile on my face and almost like, laugh at how stupid this is it's just like well i'm look at what i'm doing i'm putting myself through this like i'm choosing to do this that's hilarious and then i'll you know i'll be like i'll get a few more extra minutes of quality intervals in as a result of that um i think like long runs are another great opportunity for this because sometimes we have to really live in that fatigue for a lot longer on our long runs um because in order to do long races we have to do some long long runs and so that's an opportunity to think about, like, what is this kind of music? Like, how does that make me feel? Is it better to listen to a podcast or, or not? Like, I know plenty of people who go out and race and listen to podcasts, go out and race and listen to multiple different kinds of music. Don't listen to music at all. Listen to music in certain moments and turn music off in others. Like, there are so many different ways. And we should do these things. And it's like, I like to think of like these tools the same way that I think about practicing my race day fueling. Like for the months before my big race, I'm practicing my fueling and I'm figuring out what things are working for me and what things aren't. And I'm refining it as I go. It's homework that has to be done. The same thing on the mental side. This is homework that needs to be done. We have the opportunities to practice. So that way we're much more streamlined and dialed in like when it really counts, which is like on the day of our event, on the day of our big adventure, whatever it is, um, that's where we don't want to be guessing as much. We want to be then utilizing the things that we've practiced and honed in on and refined through the training process. Um, and something that like also came up to for me while you were discussing that, Sarah, is sometimes like we have those moments in races, like we've raced a lot before and we know what those moments are that are challenging. Like I, I, I talked earlier in the call about how I sometimes get really fatigued when I'm pushing really hard in a race and I'll have like this almost like energy drop where I'll want to just fall asleep on the side of the trail. And just like, this is stupid. Why am I putting myself through this? I just want to like, I want it to be over. And I have to like, and I've worked really hard on the mental side of pushing through that because I know like my best running often exists on the other side of that like first kind of like mental barrier during a race. And so when I'm doing hard workouts, I will try to elicit those feelings because it's an acutely difficult moment where I get to then practice what will inevitably be acutely difficult for me. Um, and so I'm running that hill rep that feels very hard. I will purposefully, and I don't do this a lot because it makes the workout sometimes more mentally difficult, but I will imagine myself in that moment in the race where I get really tired and I don't want to run anymore and I want to start hiking or I want to start sleeping on the side of the trail. I will bring that up during that hill interval and I will try to visualize myself responding in the same way I would in that moment, lift the head up, drop the shoulders, lift the head up, drop the shoulders. Like I will tell myself that I give myself those verbal cues and it really helps. And then when I'm out on the race, lift the head up, drop the shoulders. And it like works like clockwork. I, you know, these things, like when you practice them, they really become great techniques to use on the race day itself, um, and so just like Sarah says, like you've got to practice that, and then when you develop the technique. You know it works for you. You know the mantras or the affirmations that work for you, and then you use them. Um, cool. We're, we've really worked through this uh, this stuff pretty nicely, um, Sarah. Let's uh, let's we'll we'll wrap this up with dealing with uh, doubt and fear. Um, do you do you mind?
1: No, not at all. Yeah. So um, that I think is like common for every, let's just normalize and validate that we all (laughs) have doubts and fears. And even like the, you know, Courtney DeWalter has doubts and fears, even if she's the best of the best, right? So totally normal. So a couple different strategies. First is putting um, your worries and fears into words. So when we have fears and worries, they can be this big, scary thing, especially when we avoid it and we don't want to think about it. And every time we start to think about it, we just distract ourselves with something else because it's too overwhelming. If we put it down and we put it into words, either we can see that maybe it's a silly fear that it's not really like based in anything. And when we say it out loud, we're like, oh, I don't need to have that fear. And then other times when we see it written down, we can then understand it better so that we can address it. Like, oh, this is what I'm worried about. Okay, I can solve this problem. So that relates to this other concept, which is turn your worries into to-do lists. So if you are terrified you're gonna get lost and you're always having nightmares about getting lost on the course, study the hell out of the course, download the GPX onto your watch, right? Just identify a bunch of to-dos so that that fear actually might go away by the time you go to start the race because you've spent so much time planning, preparing, you know that course, you're not even worried about it anymore. And if that fear is still there, you can remind yourself, okay, but I've done everything that I can do for this. So really identifying your fears and then turning those into to-do lists, like how do you address it? How do you make that fear go away? And then if you have like a bad uh, inner critic or like a negative self-talk um, thing going on, you can try to personify that voice. So you can so like kid kids do this and adults can do it too. They'll make like a worry monster. So they'll like imagine their worry voice is like this monster. You can imagine that maybe it's like your bully from seventh grade or your mother-in-law or somebody who's like particularly has high expectations from you and is always putting you down and making you feel like crap so that when you hear that you're not believing it. You're like, oh, that's that person who's always mean to me, right? Like I, that I don't have to listen to that. Like that's the person who's trying to get me down. So really personifying that negative self-talk and putting it outside of yourself. and that helps us because we take it less seriously and we can identify it earlier and then replace it or shut it down. And so those neural pathways will weaken and then we can strengthen more positive neural pathways. So when you personify it, it helps with that like stopping it um, in its tracks so that you're forming that new path earlier.
0: Uh, Love that. Love the idea of forming those new neural pathways. And something that helps with that is practice. Um, Just like running your strides, we're doing a little bit every week in order to build those neural pathways so these things become second nature. Um, It's the same thing with these mental tips. Uh, I really feel like every week we've got the opportunity to practice these things. And so if you're an athlete listening to this call, um, I know that there is a lot of tools and techniques kind of uh, given here through this conversation but just think about pick like grabbing one or two of those um if you're new and you and you haven't worked on process oriented goals think about a couple process oriented goals like look back at uh, one of our future calls that where we specifically discuss that and then implement those in your long run tomorrow um think about like that zooming out technique or the gratitude flow visualization you know think about that going into your you know your workout next week. Think about implementing that tool. Stick to one or two of these at a time. We don't need to overwhelm yourself trying to do it all. the The purpose is to try a few of these things each week and then develop a sense for what works best for you. A lot of this stuff is really individualized. Like, yeah, these techniques are are really backed by research and that's why we present them to you here in this call. But like how they actually work for each is very is very individualized, right? So like, think about it. Take some time. Give give them a try. See what feels like a good fit. Um, I would say, especially with the visualization thing, um, practice in the space that you feel is, is most appropriate for you. Like if you're not a meditator, it may not make sense to spend five or 10 minutes lying down visualizing you executing your race in the way you want to or executing process-oriented goals the way you want to. That might not make as much sense. Like, you're not used to to that space. What might make more sense is what Kristen mentioned, like, doing it during movement. um, When you're actually out, like, doing the thing, that might help you make the connection more easily to, you know, the thing that you're visualizing and, and trying to have success working through challenges on race day or something like that. Like there are so many different ways to implement these things and there is no exact right or wrong way. There's only practice refining and making it f- kind of fit with uh, who you are and, and like kind of the way that your brain works. We're all very individual that way. Um well thank you guys. I I feel like we really uh yeah, knocked this one out of the park and I'm glad and I'm I just appreciate seeing some athletes live on the call too now that we're getting back into these things more consistently this year. Um it's nice to see some faces. Uh, and thank you guys and, and familiar ones too. Um we are doing a live Q&A next Friday with Kylie. Um That'll be on Instagram live. So I hope that you guys check that out and that'll be on Instagram for everyone to View afterwards. So um, super cool. Just, just switching it up and, and working on some new stuff as we go through the year. I'm really excited about it. And uh, yeah, hope everyone has a good weekend
2: and we'll see you there next week. Bye.